Everybody over there. I want to look beginning with verse 44. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth is who he is, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said unto him, Can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him, Come and see, or come and see for yourself. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile, mighty fine fellow. And Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called you, called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. You are most surely the Messiah, most surely. Father, we come tonight to look at your word and we want to, when we preach, we want to preach every aspect of your word. We want to preach the whole range because there is so many different uh, things and they all work together. Some may be more important and no doubt are, but all of it is important. And everything written in this book is important. And it should be important to us. And I pray your Holy Spirit would have its way with all of our hearts tonight. And may every one of us be glad we came tonight, not because of the preacher, but because of the word. And we ask you, Lord, to have your way in our lives and in our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. When you think about it, the Christian faith came into existence with the coming of Christ and his teachings, his death and his resurrection. It was a very obscure beginning. He was born in a barn. Jesus started his ministry with basically 12 men he called apostles, not 12 great men, not men that he picked because of their greatness, but just basically ordinary fishermen, ordinary people. And as a people, or as the people became aware of this man who claimed to be the Messiah, he began to form a body of believers. And that body of believers became the early church in the essence, at the core. But what was the means of its growth? Because today there is multiplied millions of Christians. Started with a man in a barn, now there's multiplied, multiplied, all over the world, multiplied Christians. What was the cause of all of that? Certainly we would have to say this. Preaching was God's way of spreading the gospel. We see that through the rest of the, gospel, rest of the Bible. And the Bible gives us the great commission to go into all the world. But there was something at the bottom of that 
that we don't think so much about, and it is there today. It's the same thing, the same principle today. We see it in our text. And it's in the verses that precede our text and in our text both. What we see is this. These verses tell us about one man winning another man. One man reaching out to another man. One person reaching out to another person. The basic principle of growth is one man reaching out to another man. Now, I know a lot of, this is going to blow a lot of preachers away. Of course, ain't nobody here being cold, so we get blown away. I had a teacher in uh, Clear Creek at the time I was down there, and he had pastored a big church in Atlanta. And he told us, he said, now I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow you away. But he said, I've had many, many converts in big churches. I've had many. But he said, I could probably count on my two hands all of them that came because of my preaching. <laughs> what do you think about that? All of them. You see, we have this thing. We think we're the ones. We think, you know, and so and so, you want to get a revival preacher, you get somebody who can bring them in. Well, here's the whole story of the thing. If there ain't somebody out knocking on the door, or if there ain't somebody visiting, witnessing to other people, there won't be nobody here, and I'll tell you, there won't be nobody saved, more than likely. It's basically, however you figure it, somebody in the, in the scripture, when they preached to great crowds, had to get great crowds. They didn't know anything about it. Notice how it works. In verse 40, Andrew comes to Christ. And in verse 41, he seeks out his brother Simon and tells him, verse 42 says, he brought him to Christ. Jesus reaches out to Philip. Philip passes it on to his friend Nathaniel. <laughs> That's the way it works. Now look at this. Philip found the Messiah, or more correctly, the Messiah found Philip. Then Philip was so overwhelmed that he had met the Lord, as we all should be, because this is the most marvelous of all things. This is what they'd looked for for generations. And they, these were privileged people. And Philip must have thought, I can't keep this to myself. There's no way that I can go home and not tell everybody I know that Jesus is here. The Messiah has come. How in the world could I sleep when all these people could have an opportunity to hear and see the Lord Jesus? Surely he must have thought that. And so he thought about his old buddy, Nathaniel. And he sought him out. And he found him standing by a fig tree. He was so excited when he got to him, he didn't even call his name. He just went in and burst this out. He said, we found him, we found him, we found him. Now, they don't put exclamation marks in the Bible, but if they did, there would be one after every one of those because he is so excited. We found him, we found him. 
You see, who have you found? Who is it you found? We found him. We found the one that Moses prophesied about. We've, we found the one that the prophets all prophesied about. The Messiah is here and we've met him. And we want you to meet him. Anybody who has met him wants other people to meet him. If we really have met him, it's not just like going to church. It's not like anything else. If we have truly met him, we really do want everybody to meet him. We should. We want you to meet him. He's none other than Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. You see, they looked at this like the privilege of a lifetime. Everybody in this building tonight, I can almost assure you, somebody told you about the Lord. That's how you got to know it. Somebody did. Maybe your parents. Somebody did, though. And that's the way it works. We can't expect to build a big church or whatever we desire based upon preaching alone. You can't do it that way. It won't work that way. It cannot work that way. You see, he's saying nobody should miss this opportunity. Nobody should let this get away from him. And we need that same thinking today. Amen? We need that. We need to get over this idea of people coming to church and joining the church. That's an absolute falsehood. It means nothing. But it does mean a lot if you meet the Lord Jesus. It means more than anything else. And I've said this to many, many people, and I've, I, I, I've said to my Sunday school class, we'd be talking about the Lord Jesus. I said, how many people would sell out for a million dollars? Nobody. Nobody. And if it was a trillion, you wouldn't sell out. If you've met him, that's the way it is. He means more than anything else in all the world. And there's nothing like that. But instead of Nathaniel receiving the good news, instead of him saying, that's the most wonderful thing, take me to him, I can't wait to get to him, he responded with a sour old attitude. In verse 46, he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth to him was this little nothing of a place on the earth. You see, he could have believed Philip's testimony if he hadn't have put Nazareth down. When he put Nazareth down, it turned him off. Now, I'm going to say something here. Don't, I don't want somebody to say, you racist, you. I'm not going to go with that. But I am going to say this. If you've never lived here a long time, you don't know what I'm talking about anyway. But there was a section of Lancaster that used to be called the chute. Now, everybody that's from here knows what that is. If somebody had said to Messiah, come from the chute, you'd have said, there ain't no Messiah coming from no chute. I'll tell you that. I know the chute. Ain't no Messiah would come from the chute. You see, what he was doing, he had this opportunity to meet the Lord, but instead of that, here he is. He's all locked up on something that's just taking it all away from him. 
He couldn't possibly come from Nazareth. The Old Testament never mentioned Nazareth as the place where the Messiah was going to come from. Philip was 100% convinced Jesus was the Messiah because he met him. But Nathaniel was 100% convinced he wasn't. And he never did meet him. He was basing his faith on something that turned him off, humanly speaking. As far as he knew, not one godly person or one godly thing was ever associated with Nazareth. Philip believed, but when he said Nazareth, he closed his mind. He locked the door. He didn't want to hear another thing. He knew that couldn't be so, and he wasn't going to let it go any further. He refused to allow another thought come in because of where he came from. He was what we might say locked into a preconceived notion. And I want to tell you, many people are. Many people lock their minds in about things that they don't know anything about but they have heard all of these different things all about how this thing is. They're programmed. People are programmed to not want the things of the church. Many people. Nathaniel was a very religious person. He was a student of God's word. But his problem was he had studied God's word through the teachings of the rabbis and the rabbis were wrong. As they always were. Not always. But they caused Jesus a world of problems. When he come and he announced that he was the Messiah, the rabbis said, no, he can't be. And you're a fool if you think that he is. You see, that's, they just marked him off. They, they wouldn't allow anything he said didn't make any difference what he said. They wouldn't allow that. They just cut that off. They wouldn't believe in him. They thought that the Messiah was going to come as a great prince clothed in purple, surrounded with pomp and pageantry and splendor and royalty. That's what they thought. And they had put all these scriptures together concerning the Messiah and they had still come up wrong. And it happens all the time. Wrong teachings give birth to wrong notions. You listen to certain people in life and you'd never get saved. I'll assure you. Wrong teachings just gravitate. And they, what they do, it makes you turn your back. You hear something, you, you're kind of drawn to that. You're interested in that. But then there's this idea that somebody, oh, there's nothing to that stuff. It's all foolishness. Had the rabbis ever looked at Isaiah 53, they would have understood it. But here's what the rabbis did, because if you know anything about the Bible in Isaiah 53, that passage tells us about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But they, here's what they did. And I was watching television one night and had two rabbis on there, and uh, where they had two Christians that used to be Jews. And this guy said, how come you to be Christians? And they said, we read Isaiah 53. And we knew it had to be him. It couldn't be anybody else. 
It told about his death, burial, resurrection. It tells all about all that. Couldn't be nobody else. But they wouldn't allow that to be true. See, the Jews say that doesn't apply to Christ. Even today, they have that same teaching. If they'd have listened to Isaiah 53, they would have seen it and it would have fit him perfectly. But here's the point. You can be a diehard believer in a lot of things. You can believe you're going to go to heaven and you might be dead wrong. I'm not saying that scare anybody. I'm just saying it's true. Because a true faith has to be based on the right thing. Faith is a wonderful thing. But all faith is not saving faith. Only faith that has as its object the Lord Jesus and his death and his burial and his resurrection. I'm building my salvation on that. You think you're going to go get to heaven? You ain't very good. Well, I'm not counting on being very good. I'm counting on the fact that Jesus paid for all my sins on the cross. I'm counting on the fact that he was buried and put in the grave and God raised him from the dead. I'm counting on that. You can be a diehard about some things, but you better be sure that you're a diehard about the right thing. And here's the worst part of all. When you get these preconceived notions, you get locked into that where you won't listen to nothing. The truth won't even budge you. What they were talking about here is something big. There's so many people tonight, I will assure you, if there was a possible way that we could reach out to everybody in our county and anywhere around here, and we could really talk to them, we'd find out the reason they're not here tonight is because they have a preconceived notion about what church is about. And they don't need it. And they think they're right. And so they don't listen. You see, Jesus came first to the Jews. He was promised to the Jews. He was promised and he sent to the Jews. But the Bible says this. Instead of receiving him, the scriptures say, he came into his own and his own received him not. He came to the Jews, but they turned their back on him. They wouldn't listen. He had all the qualifications, all the identification, but they wouldn't listen. What kept him from listening? He just didn't measure up. He didn't measure up to what they were looking for. He didn't measure up to what the rabbis said the Messiah was going to be. And the rabbis know everything. They know it all. You see, the rabbis, as far as they were concerned, they spent their life learning Scripture, but they thought they were learning Scripture, but here's what they were learning. They learned what they thought was Scripture, but what that was, they learned man's interpretation of Scripture. They didn't know a thing about Scripture. They just knew what men said the Scripture said, and they went with it. They lived with it. They died with it and didn't know a thing and depended totally. And so every time the Gospels 
as we go through there, every time somebody's leaning toward Jesus, in comes the rabbis and they throw and dash out the fire. You're foolish to believe in that. But I want to tell you that's the way it is today. It's not changed. Every time somebody starts to church, I'll assure you there'll be somebody to come and want to dash out the fire. They'll tell you why you don't need to go. They'll be somebody. I'm not talking now. I'm not talking about anybody and all that kind of stuff like that. But when you get through, it's all a negative thing. The church is negative to them. I don't go. I, I don't, that's all of that kind of stuff is just foolishness. I want to tell you this is going to be the saddest of things. Many parents are a child's worst enemy when it comes to religious things. Humanly speaking, they want them to have a good education. Humanly speaking, they want them to be dressed. They want them to do all these things, but they forget the most important part, and that's their spiritual side. They don't talk about that, but they're good parents. They think they are. Jesus said, you will not come to me. You will not. You will not come to me that you may have life. Every lost person has a barrier that they must overcome. It's not smooth sailing. Anytime you're thinking about coming and believing in Jesus, it's not a smooth thing. I guarantee you in your head there'll be, the devil will be telling you all of these reasons why you should not come. There is all kinds of thoughts about that. There'll be friends who will tell you not to come. They will do all of those things. There's a barrier that everybody has to overcome. I never heard of anybody much that just run down the aisle. Most people, I, I had, I think I told you one time, I had a woman said, I can't walk down the aisle. I said, I'll put you on the front row. She didn't want to do that either. But she did. Listen, there's barriers. Every time you get ready to believe, there's barriers against that. There's things that are always going to come up that's going to fight that, going to fight against it. But not only is there spiritual barriers, there's human barriers. Human barriers. You see, the whole Nathaniel didn't have a spiritual barrier. He did believe there wasn't any problem, but what he did have was a human barrier. A human barrier that kept him from wanting to get to Jesus. He just blocked him off and said, I... I just don't believe it could be possible. That surely can't be him. The Jews had the hardest time accepting any Gentiles because of the human barrier. They hated the Samaritans because of the human barrier. There is a black and white barrier with people. And there's all kinds of barriers that you have to overcome if you're ever going to come to the Lord. You'll have to overcome them because they'll come up. You say, I'll skip all of that stuff. No, it'll come back. 
you'll have to deal with it somewhere. You see, Nathaniel was a believer. He was a believer in the coming Messiah, but the thought that he would come from Nazareth made him sick, and it couldn't be. And so he didn't want no part. If he come from Messiah, if he come from Nazareth, he didn't want no part of it. What do you call that? Now the question is, how do we get over that hump? Because a lot of times you and I are trying to get people into church and that kind of thing. And they say, well, I know so-and-so. He's a deacon. He did this and all that kind of stuff. How are you going to convince them otherwise? What do you do? Here's what Philip did. He simply said to Nathaniel, come see for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Come see You see, the truth is you and I can't convince people of anything. And if we could convince them of anything, it wouldn't amount to anything. As somebody said here months ago, if you, if you can convince somebody to be saved, somebody else can convince them to be unsaved. You can't work like that. You and I can't convince people just because we can talk about it and because we've seen it and because all of those things, people have to see it for themselves. You agree to that? And they won't do anything until they can. And you might influence them. You might do the best you can to influence them, but you will not utterly influence them until they see that for themselves. Thomas couldn't believe that Jesus came into the upper room while he was gone. He got back and they said, Jesus was here. He was supposed to be dead. And Thomas said, I'll not believe that until I can see it. And that's the way most of us are. Are we not? We're, we're kind of like that. Philip brings Nathaniel to Jesus. I want you to meet him. I want you to see him. I want you to talk to him. I want you to listen to him. Make up your own mind. Don't stand 5,000 miles away and say, I don't believe in him. Don't be afraid of him. Come, come. I want you to talk to him. I want you to ask him anything you want to ask him. I want you to come into his presence. You see, it's kind of like that with a church sometimes. We talk to people and they have all these preconceived notions about why they shouldn't come. Why they shouldn't. The best thing we can do is say this. Come see for yourself. Come down to our little church and see for yourself. You'll find we're not, a, you know, we're not perfect. We don't claim to be perfect. We're not telling everybody we're perfect, but we love each other and we love the Lord and we want to see people come to know the Lord and we'll love you if you give us a chance. We'll love you. And, and most times 
when people come under that circumstance, they'll be pleasantly surprised. They'll be surprised what they hear and the people and glad to have you and uh, you'll come back and we'll, we just love to have you to come and visit our church and hopefully. And then here's the biggest thing of all. You give Jesus an opportunity to speak to that person. Everything in this book, especially in the Gospels, is what Jesus said. When you preach out of this book, you're telling people what Jesus said. Just as though he said it right to them personally. And when people come, here's Nathaniel. He couldn't believe it at all because he had this prejudice against where he come from. But when he met him, Jesus just spoke one line to him and he said, you are the Messiah, aren't you? You are most surely the Messiah. You couldn't be anybody else. I want to tell you tonight, it's, it's kind of an uphill thing, but I want you to know the greatest thing in all the world is to know the Lord Jesus. That's the greatest thing. And after that, one of the greatest things that you and I can ever participate in is introducing somebody else to the Lord Jesus. That's what it's all about. Introduce him. Let people know him. Read about him. He's the most wonderful of all people, our Savior. Brother Cole.